You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. A.K.A. DJ Mud Dog. Water sucks. It really, really sucks. Yeah. <sighs> You're listening to what is sure to be another uh, headache-inducing episode of Nostalgia <laughs> Be Damn, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from either your childhood or just those movies that you uh, reminisce about, and we shit all over them or tell you whether or not they're good. We try not to be mean. No, I'm going to be mean we this try. episode. Yeah. All right. No, well, it's... come on. Keep that in mind, Zach. Come into this with a positive attitude no. and a smile on your face. No. Because this week, we finally watched 1998's sports comedy, The Waterboy. Our second Adam Sandler sports comedy following Happy Gilmore. I never thought I would say uh, second Adam Sandler sports-based comedy movie on this podcast, but here we fucking are. Hey, it may not be our last. We might do The Longest Yard sometime soon, you know? Oh my god, yeah. I was See, I was thinking while I was watching this, too. I was like, well, at least we don't have to say it a third time. And then I remembered, oh wait, there's at least one more. For now. Wait till Netflix gets their hand on some sort of, you know, darker comedy. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely going to have, like, a hockey, like, they're gonna, it's going to be like Goon, but Adam Sandler. It's going to be a white bendit like Beckham. Uh, no, I, yeah, well, let's predict it right now. What's the next Adam Sandler sport? I'm going to go ahead and say basketball. Ooh, I'm going to say croquet. Why would it be a croquet movie, Brandon? It's like a quirky comedy where he goes to visit, like, you know, his retiree parents in this paradise retirement home. And No, Adam Sandler won't look badass playing croquet. Okay, he has to look badass, dude. Oh, he's gonna look badass, dude, and it's also gonna be really funny, and we're gonna make fun of a lot of the people, but we're not talking about these future concepts right now. And right? how is he gonna get, like, Dan Patrick in a croquet movie? Think. Use your brain. Very easily. Money. That's it. And he knows a lot of people, a lot of celebrities. Tom Brady would show up in this movie. Uh, Tom Brady would show up in this movie. This hypothetical croquet uh, Adam Sandler shitstorm Netflix original. Whoa, 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 whoa. I do not like that tone of voice. Don't ever disgrace the goat. Don't ever disgrace the goat, dude. Shut all right. Shut up. We're we are already off topic on this goddamn. Let's get this podcast over with. Well, not necessarily, all right, because this it's Super Bowl Sunday is this coming Sunday. So That's we true. wanted to get out a football movie, and what better way to do that with the number one sports comedy of all time. Highest grossing still. That's fucking insane. There's so many better ones. Major League was a better movie than this. Shut your face, all right? Just shut your face. It's number one ahead of, guess what's number two? The Longest Yard, bro. Oh my god, I hate everybody. Number three, Talladega Nights, Blades of Rookie Glory, of the year? and Dodgeball. Rookie of the no, year? Rookie of the, Rookie year, of the is year nowhere on the list. Come on. God damn it. All right, The Water Boy. So, it is directed by Frank Karachi or Karassi. I'm not sure. I think it's Karachi. Either way, he also brought us The Wedding Singer the very same year, I might add. So that one came out in February. The Waterboy hit theaters in November. Quick turnaround. He also directed the Jackie Chan, Steve Coogan joint around the world in 80 days. Remember that of one? Of course. Yeah, of course. Who, who could forget? <laughs> Me. Uh, he also did Click. You know, your favorite, Click. My absolute favorite movie. Besides, I now pronounce you uh, Chuck and Larry. Well, he bounced away from Adam Sandler for a quick bit. and he, he started hanging with his boy, Kevin James. Then they did Zookeeper. And then the 
MMA family comedy, Here Comes the Boom, you know, the one based off a P.O.D. song. Right, yes. Uh, great film. Uh, it was about Paul Blart becoming an MMA fighter after he sold his zoo um, and divorced his husband, Chuck. But those are a combination of a bunch of those movies, but what I will add is he gets Salma Hayek in that movie. Kevin James. What? Pretty cool. He's oh, my hero. God. Ugh. There was an M. Night Shyamalan twist, and Karachi went back to Adam Sandler for the Drew Barrymore a comedy blended which i still have yet to see that's the one i think that takes place in africa mm-hmm. and then he did our favorite film of probably the last 10 years i think we talked about this his most recent picture being netflix's first original film the ridiculous six. Oh, of course yes uh probably the best film that's ever come out of netflix i can't believe that movie wasn't nominated for best picture ridiculous six was snubbed was snubbed dude, dude even Can for best original it? screenplay <laughs> a fucking what? gun in my mouth dude gun in my mouth <laughs> academy is really out of touch okay the water boy has a 6.1 on imdb and a 35 percent on rotten tomatoes it cost 23 million bucks to make it earns 161 million in the u.s one did you hear that 161 million dollars yeah i heard it i chose to ignore it in the u.s and 185 million worldwide it came in fifth for the year of 1998 at the box office so in terms of comedies for that year it finished behind there's something about mary and ahead of dr doolittle rush hour the wedding singer a night at the roxbury can't hardly wait half-baked and two of the lowest grossing comedies of the year by the way both hitting a mere 17 million number 96 and 97 the big lebowski and rushmore you know those forgettable ones oh you know just (laughs) the big lebowski and rushmore movies we don't talk about anymore we definitely don't quote the big lebowski number 96 and 97 unbelievable can't hardly wait's a great movie too by the way Or at least I remember it being a good movie. Hey, that could be a very strong contender for a future episode. As well as uh, A Night at the Roxbury. I watched that incessantly. We've talked about that. Yeah, and uh, I... Yeah. (laughs) So, like we mentioned, it's the number one sports comedy of all time. It's the second highest grossing football movie ever. Behind The Blind Side, it beat out other movies. Guess what's number three, dude? Longest Yard Again. Of course it is. Then we've got Remember the Titans, Any Given Sunday... And Friday Night Lights. Oh my god, wow. Waterboy, numero de. I'm spitting angry <laughs> at, at, at these numbers. I'm just, oh my god. Although, I will say this, I don't I don't really see a lot of good football movies. Like, that list isn't really that strong. Whoa, I mean, Friday Night Lights is pretty dope, dude. Friday Night Lights is an amazing, I think it's one of my top five sports movies of all time. Yeah, and Remember the Titans? Also very good, yes. That's a fantastic film as well. I can't believe The Replacements got snubbed. <laughs> oh, it's on that list. I just think it's a few notches down. Sadly. <laughs> Unearned. <laughs> a lot of uh, box office... Uh, you know, experts, critics, what have you, they kind of ponder that a lot of the film's grosses was actually attributed to the movie being preceded by the trailer for Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, when it was released in November of 98. So a lot of Star Wars fans, who weren't even fans of Adam Sandler, paid the full admission price, sat through the trailer, and then left the theaters, what a lot of people were claiming. I don't know if that's true or not. It honestly, it makes a lot of sense because... I, I like that was really before you could go look these up on the internet. So, 
Yeah, I if I had the money to do that back then, probably would have done that. The late 90s, though, Adam Sandler was king. He was coming off of SNL, and he was knocking him out of the park each one. I mean, again, he didn't really quite hit until this one. I think this is really like his first big, huge box office success. I mean, The Wedding Singer was also pretty big, but then, I mean, Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, those didn't make huge numbers, and at this point, he's knocking out, then, he, then he'll do bad, uh, Big Daddy and Anger Management, all those movies. This is, I think, the start of the $100 million box office this comedic star that he became well hey man when you're pulling down people like henry winkler and kathy bates to come debase themselves for two hours like yeah kudos to you like that's probably yeah good for you well sandler was nominated for a golden raspberry award for worst actor however he won the coveted blockbuster entertainment award and mtv movie award for his performance so suck on that academy he won the blockbuster award he won a blockbuster entertainment award yeah it's pretty coveted zach look it up stupid uh no i'm well aware in fact uh, that's why we still talk about the blockbuster entertainment awards to this day something else we still talk about is the classic offspring uh original prankster song which prominently features a sample of rob schneider's character's dialogue from this movie the very first introduction uttering the line you can do it this is the start of it all right here You know, that changed me as an adolescent. I don't know where you were when you first heard Rob Schneider say that iconic line, but that's when I immediately enlisted a Schneider soldier. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's probably the most real Rob performance we're going to see in the 90s. And uh, I didn't like movies before I saw this performance. And (laughs) I got to tell you, uh, when Rob Schneider utters uh, the famous words, uh, you can do it, it really kind of changes the way I look, not only at film, uh, but really art. The townie was such an iconic role that he reprised it in the 2000 film Little Nicky. Uh, and then Sandler, in turn, played the same townie role in Schneider's film, The Animal. So, you know, a little trivia that you can take home with you. <sighs> one critic, in particular, our, one of our favorites, Roger Ebert, placed this film on his most hated list. And he wrote, I gotta read this little, this little blurb, it's, you know, expertly written by Ebert. As always, <clears throat> he says... I believe in giving every movie the benefit of the doubt. I walked into the Waterboy, sat down, took a sip of my delicious medium roast coffee, and felt at peace with the world. How nice it would be, I thought, to give Adam Sandler a good review for a change. Goodwill and caffeine sufficed my being, and as the lights went down, I all but beamed at the screen. Then, Adam Sandler spoke, and all was lost. (laughs) Oh my god. Sandler is making a tactical error when he creates a character whose manner and voice has the effect of fingernails on a blackboard and then expects us to hang in there for a whole movie. Roger Ebert's such a poet, but before we jump in, Brandon, I want to know your history with this movie. Big Daddy was my first theatrical Adam Sandler experience, and I saw most of his stuff in theaters throughout the early 2000s. This one, however, this one and later Little Nicky, which we also just mentioned, these were the two that... I agreed with Roger Ebert for a long time. Like, I honestly didn't like the movies because of the characters. I just found them really annoying, even as a kid. Like, and I loved Adam Sandler and everything. I loved a lot of his movies. And this one and Little Nicky, I remembered when I first saw them as a kid, I just found the characters really annoying. And I didn't love them as much as I typically love an Adam Sandler buffoon. All right. However... In high school and whatnot, when my friends, I noticed, really liked this movie, and this was a movie that was popular among my age group by the time I was in high school, yeah, this became 
a movie that I that I was fond of. Like I this grew on me throughout my high school years. I watched it maybe a couple times in college, and I haven't seen it since. It was probably like four or five years since I've seen it. But yeah, this was never one of my favorite Adam Sandler comedies. But I was always aware of its popularity because people seem to really love this one i remember seeing it i think on like a holiday i, I know a lot of my cousins and extended family uh, were big fans of adam sandler movies and i was just young enough not to really know the difference and i think this one the first time i saw it just like popped up on tv and it would take a while before i would end up seeing it you know, uncensored and uncut. And it, you know, I like it as a football movie just because I'm, you know, I'm a big sports guy. So I'm just kind of into that stuff in general, but it never really connected with me. I, I remember thinking Kathy Bates was kind of funny, but it's a movie that I've luckily been able to sort of just avoid for, I'd say close to 15 years until it's been brought up to me today. Um, I think today's the first time in 15 years I've seen it, and I have plenty to say. We're going deep, a deep, deep dive into the bayou. Uh, not, that, we, not that deep. <laughs> we start off near the University of Louisiana. That's where he lives on this bayou. We're introduced to the nearby football coach and team, as well as its socially inept 31-year-old water boy, Bobby Boucher Jr., played by Adam Sandler. Why are they so mean to the water boy? Like, right off the bat, they're always like, what a fucking nerd the water boy is. He deserves bashing. These are movie bullies to the fullest extent. They are outrageously offensive and mean to the point where I hope no one exists in the world like this. But it seems like in every Adam Sandler movie, especially his early oeuvre, well, I wouldn't even say his early stuff. He's still doing the stuff in the Netflix, <laughs> the Netflix movies. But there's always excessively mean and rude people just shouting horrible, horrendous things at people who seem to not deserve it <laughs> that seems to just be a trend in his movies yeah he, he always he's the one who gets bullied in a lot of these movies but you look at adam sandler in real life and tell me do you think adam sandler was the bullied person in high school or the bully he seems to play like two it's usually an archetype like two different archetypes he's either the quiet put upon guy like in this and anger management who's like quiet and timid but has like this boiling rage underneath that who's when he's finally pushed far enough he snaps or he plays like the loudmouth who's like cocky and assured and picks on people like in you know happy gilmore or the longest yard or 51st dates he's the cool like badass like he, he does either either or and he's it's used perfectly in a movie like punch drunk love where that's the entire character is this guy who's just simmering barely making it by and you can see i think why paul thomas anderson would maybe have cast him in that movie by watching these earlier stuff until i've seen some of his more serious stuff you could be forgiven given watching a lot of these early Sandler movies and thinking he's the most one-dimensional actor in Hollywood. You know, Bill Murray played the same archetype in every single movie he was doing. Mm -hmm. a, a charmingly, like, the, the casual blue-collar, you know, smarmy assholishness of his performances really, you know, gravitated toward a lot of people, and I think that's the same for Adam Sandler, just the generation in that 90s. That's how they kind of pictured him, where I think of Bill Murray is just a different type of humor and you can gravitate towards either or both or you know what i mean to me there seems to be a difference between bill murray's kind of you know typecast role that he plays and the ones that adam sandler plays for sure and i think bill murray's characters have a lot of flaws 
in some Adam Sandler movies, he's completely flawless and, you know, like the perfect guy. Or in these movies, like The Waterboy, you just feel completely sorry for him. And so it's kind of an either or. But anyway, these 90s bullies, late 90s bullies, I guess they're on the football team and they're just shouting obscenities at this guy. They can clearly tell that something's wrong with him because he's constantly picked upon uh, because of his speech impediment. They physically assault him. They spit in his water. They In his suggestion box, they write notes that say, eat shit and kill yourself. <laughs> that yeah. one, that, dude, that one I got a giggle out of. It's terrible. It's so mean. Well. <laughs> it's his general <laughs> awkwardness. The way he talks is just, you know, he stutters all the time. And he has an unnatural obsession with high-quality H2O. He is a self-proclaimed water distribution engineer. And we open on him getting fired by the coach because apparently <laughs> him being bullied is distracting from the team's success. Like they're they're too busy beating him up that the coach is like, I've had 18 years is long enough. He's been doing this <laughs> since he was a little kid. Yeah. And you know what? This is just this is just bullshit. Like, OK, you're fucking you're a college coach and your kids have been picking on this guy for 18 years. Who's that a real reflection on? Is it the water boy or is it the coach? It's just awful that everyone treats him so poorly. Yeah, but I just don't know why. Like, he's just he's got a mental challenge. No one speaks up and says, hey, you probably shouldn't pick on him. He's clearly has some sort of disability or something's wrong with him. You shouldn't pick on the poor guy. And this is what just confuses me automatically is just there's no logic or reason behind it. They're just like it, it just like you have to take it for granted that everybody else except Adam Sandler in this movie is just mean spirited. And there's really no logic behind it. His simple existence seems to be the problem for a lot of people. It's not that he's bothering them or even, like, talking to them, even making himself acknowledged. It's just the fact that he's off to the corner in their peripherals and he's really fucking goofy. I don't like him, so let's pick on him. God damn him caring about his work. Yeah, you gotta bash that nerd. So he's fired right here in the beginning. He drives home to a little uh, Credence Clearwater. I like some of the music in this movie, you know. Music's not terrible. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he goes back to his mama's house. She's uh, Helen, played by Kathy Bates. She's like this old school, um, very overbearing, overprotective mm -hmm. Louisiana <laughs> stereotype, I guess. She's always cooking up some crazy goddamn frogs or snakes or squirrels. Girls. or alligators <laughs> yeah. or something like that yeah god yeah god forbid they eat normal food the thick accent yeah i i feel real bad for kathy bates kathy bates is doing her best with what she's got though she's she's easily the most impressive part of this movie in terms of actors but she but it's an awful character she's just completely unredeemable like i, I know i like nothing about this person because she's so suffocating and she's mean to him as well you expect his mom to be kind of coddling and and treat him well but everything is the devil to her doesn't want him going to school for some reason yeah or talking to anyone or having friends or playing sports she's just it's basically that like mommy dearest netflix doc or whatever about the <laughs> mother dearest it's basically that where i'm expecting him to snap and kill her at some point you know he probably should have and it makes it a quicker better movie but so anyway he goes off to find a new water boy college what is this uh i i, I didn't catch the sign at the beginning what is what is, what is this school called the south central louisiana state university mud dogs <laughs> south central louisiana state university that's what it is fucking Christ. He meets the very depressed Coach Klein. Dude, Henry Winkler gets some laughs out of me throughout this movie, I will say. He's committing to the ridiculousness of this character and the, the setup, the premise. 
I love Henry Winkler. I really do. He's one of my favorite comedy actors in Hollywood. But I, I, again, just I don't think he has very much to work on in this. But he's doing the best he can for sure. <laughs> he starts like trying to devise some plans on the chalkboard when he gets so stressed out he nearly faints. And Adam Sandler, who's trying to get a job there, like <laughs> whips out his little cup and gives him the water, and it's the best goddamn water he's ever had. Bobby asks for a job, and he says, "I got nothing to pay you with. You know, we can't do this. I can't hire anyone. I don't have that authority." He says, "I'll work." for free as long as you don't give the you know the water in that shit barrel with cockroaches yeah with like the poop bucket yeah just don't give (laughs) your athletes the poop bucket water Henry Winkler's character, Coach Klein, he has been suffering from a long-standing mental breakdown from apparently a previous job. He just—he was once a big-shot coach. We'll find out what happened to him. But he's always acting fucking bizarre, especially in the beginning here, to, to a lot of not funny stuff like him laying an egg or talking to the football, like some really dumb stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but the team itself, again, immediately starts bullying and harassing for him. For no reason, for no goddamn reason whatsoever. He keeps getting like flashbacks to all the people who've ever treated him wrong in his life. Well, he's told by Henry Winkler, you know, to stick up for yourself. And that's kind of the 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 theme for the movie is the guy's finally got to stick up to his mother, all the people who've picked on him. And that's kind of that machismo that Adam Sandler usually brings to a lot of, you know, his earlier stuff. Like, you got to be a man. There's a lot of be a man stuff in this. It's very toxic. It's very, very <laughs> Lots of toxic masculinity, for sure. Yeah. Uh, push yeah. up your fucking glasses, nerd. I'm going to bash you, dude. He destroys the quarterback who's played by Peter Dante, you know, you know him from Grandma's Boy, the naked stoner guy who sells him the drugs. He's in a lot of Adam Sandler movies, as well as Alan Covert, who's in here later on. I loved Me, Myself, and Irene. And this came out, that came out in 2000, and I remember specifically comparing the two scenes where they, this character snaps, and it's basically both for the same reason. They're both put upon people who are so stressed by trying to be people pleasers that eventually, you know, it breaks their psyche and they turn into a fucking, like, enraged person. I love love Jim Carrey's transformation in the, like, the grocery store in that scene with the song and everything. I think these scenes of him, you know, amping up in intensity and, and his rage growing, I think are some of the best parts of the movie. And I think that's what kind of drew me to the movie in the first place because, yeah, it's, it could be a sports comedy, but what's the hook? The hook is he has to get extremely angry, I guess, to perform well, right? Is that kind of the, the, the main concept? Because otherwise it's just kind of like a loser succeeding in football, right? Yeah, but the, the problem is, and I kind of noticed this i'm actually glad you brought it up towards the tail end of this movie like we do see a lot of scenes of him getting angry and snapping and you know standing up to himself but they kind of abandon that towards the end of this movie he just becomes like a good football player that's called arc zach god it's good screenwriting that's what it is well yeah exactly but they don't have a scene where they explain it you know where you know like there isn't a point where adam sandler's like oh i don't need to be angry anymore to fucking be good at football (laughs) there's there you're just like you're meant to accept the growth just like how like they suddenly have really nice uniforms by the end of this movie (laughs) oh you're gonna pick apart that zach yeah unexplained (laughs) Fuck this movie! Sandler's sack was so dope that Winkler desperately wants to recruit him, so he heads to the bayou to try to convince Mama to let him play football because she's, again, very overprotective, does not want him getting hurt. (laughs) They're eating what appears to be a fucking fried anaconda. Is that what they're eating? Yeah, it's like a giant... Yeah, I guess. I don't know what fucking snake (laughs) like that grows... 
in the bayou, but yeah, it's, you were led to believe it's like some giant fucking monster snake. Bobby ain't going to be playing no foosball. She keeps referring it to his foosball. That's funny, dude. Funny joke. Actually, I know her character's terrible, but I do enjoy what Kathy Bates is doing. Like, Kathy Bates is a goddamn American treasure, and she's doing the best she can with what she's got. She's having fun with the role, but if it wasn't in a comedy, it could be the exact same character as in misery because she's a basically as as insane <laughs> i was gonna say it is it is a lot like misery but she was good in misery just in louisiana it's the louisiana version of misery yeah exactly <laughs> misery yeah. on the bayou surprised uh, she didn't break adam sandler's leg she might have behind the scenes we don't know uh so mama tells the story of bobby's dad's death and why she's so you know keeping him so sheltered he died in the desert of dehydration while serving in the peace Corps in the Sahara in 1966. Pick up sticks. I laughed at that. Uh, <laughs> there's a genuine laugh here too when Henry Winkler like leaves because Mama goes to sleep. She says, "No, he's not playing. It's non-negotiable." And as he's leaving, he's like, well, "I've always wanted a tattoo of Roy Orbison, but my mom wouldn't let me." And as he's walking out, he pulls down his pants and shows his ass cheek, and it's a tattoo of Roy Orbison. And he's just like, "What well, Mama don't know won't hurt her." <laughs> he pulls up his Ridiculous. pants and leaves. That's funny. That's oh, so dumb. But yeah, Bobby becomes a linebacker. So the next day, he's on the field. We get introduced to more of the teammates. Again, these are all would become staples throughout, you know, Adam Sandler's career. There's the guy with the funny eyes who always does the cross-eyed bit in pretty much every yep. Adam Sandler movie. And so he's grunting through his dialogue, Ugh. that guy. Uh, Clint Howard and Alan Covert play these two redneck like stadium attendees who are constantly berating one another or whatever. Um, who's who plays the assistant coach? Yes, Farmer Fran. <laughs> yeah, Far- Farmer Fran, the assistant coach, who's played by Blake Clark, who literally is just like I was dialing. You know what? This this part I actually reflecting on it is kind of funny because there are I know. I've heard of people talking like that, especially in sports, just who have that really deep, like, raspy voice and are just talking in an incomprehensible accent. Yeah, any Louisiana listeners, please write in and let us know if this is a... if this is as offensive as the Pet Cemetery main accent. Oh, yeah. I I want to know for sure because, man, that Pet Cemetery accent is bad. He's trying to teach Henry Winkler's got Adam Sandler there in uniform. They're trying to teach him the basics of football because apparently in all his 18 years of being a water boy, he never watched a game and he knows none of the rules. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was too, qu- too busy, like, checking the pH balances of the water. What are we doing this for? Are we explaining football to people in this movie? Like, why do we have to... To do this they go through the whole thing right like yards and and <laughs> downs and what a <laughs> what a touchdown yeah, is they explain like who like who a guard is or something like that or like i don't like who are we doing this for you th- do you honestly think your audience doesn't know what the fuck football is they try running a few plays he doesn't get it he can't tackle anybody because he doesn't have the aggression and then when he explains to coach kind of how he snapped before he tells him yeah i just pictured all the people who were mean to me and he says that's it that's what you got to do just visualize the person you're going to take them down and picture all the people who've been shitty to you and you know this is a good form of therapy work your way through it this way and uh he he figures it out he does get that aggression and kills his teammate or something like that definitely <laughs> basically induces concussion and cte symptoms down the line like adam sandler <laughs> this is essentially a movie about adam sandler killing quarterbacks this is basically what that movie concussion was based on tell the truth yeah 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 very good 
Better movie. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> so not 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 much. But yeah, better. no, not by much. Ah, uh, gosh, uh, where Will Smith has gone? I miss that guy. I miss yes. that guy. Oh man, me too. Uh, but anyway, we're in the classroom now, and we get a very low hanging <laughs> Colonel Sanders joke <laughs> out of the way. Yeah, he does look. You know, he's dressed in the exact same uniform. Like you, it almost copyright infringement. <laughs> essentially product placement it's low hanging it's like scraping on the ground low it's like well this is funny because i anticipated this being again it's not that i forgot parts of this movie but i guess again similar to most of these movies when we do rewatch them i never i've never watched them critically but i was noticing here this seems like something that they should have or maybe i would i would expect in a typical comedy like this is to maybe delve into a bit more is his like the educational part of this or him having to maintain a certain gpa to stay on the football team and there's the whole parts where you know getting some sort of cal pen van wilder-esque you know comedic sidekick who would who would help him out with classes or something but there's really none of that he has that one teammate who's kind of his friend no instead he gets the guy from the wire yeah yeah larry gilliard jr gilliard jr oh my god i can't remember he's amazing though he's a really good actor but he's the one person who's nice to bobby on the team he's the kicker Yes. Which means he's barely a football player. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Come on, man. We're going to get letters now from all them kickers out there. Oh, trust me. that if, I am not the first person to make that joke. We'll get a, we'll, we're getting mail from Adam Vinatieri. Yeah, well, I don't care what Adam Vinatieri has to say to me. He's a kicker. He's barely a football player. Come on, dude. I'm barely a person. Yeah, well, you can't read, so... <laughs> Well, he does this whole thing in that classroom where he's like, Mama says this is that, you know. The, interestingly enough, the parallels, the metaphors, Zach, I don't know if your dumb, dumb brain was awake and ticking, but during this scene, they're talking about the medulla oblongata and the rage, uh, why why alligators, you know, uh, typically an animal typically associated with Louisiana, um, why they're so ornery. And Adam Sandler says, oh, it's because Mama says they have too, many, too much teeth in their head, to which the class guffaws and, you know, laughs at the poor boy but the screenwriters are putting in a subtle little message there talking about how rage and where it's contextualized in the brain and how that is also layered into adam sandler's growth as a character zach are you understanding any of this (laughs) um yeah no uh i my medulla oblongata is enlarged right now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well he uh, again tackles the uh the, the teacher Colonel when Sanders. he says your mama don't know shit basically yeah Colonel and they actually like uh, they call him colonel sanders did he ever say his real name they do like, he's just referred no to i don't think so they just call him professor yes yeah. meanwhile his mom's playing badminton with a donkey <laughs> who fucking cares <laughs> it's a quick shot. who fucking cares <laughs> It doesn't matter. Bobby's first game, and uh, despite him fucking, you know, sacking and tackling left and right, his teammates still don't respect him. Breaks an NCAA record. Yeah, they don't give a shit about him, and especially after he winds up losing the game for them because he eventually gives the ball to an opposing player who insulted his mom just so that he can then drop kick him after he's made a touchdown. (laughs) I will say some of these football shots are pretty well shot. Like, the tackling is pretty... uh acrobatic 
there's some good stunts in this. Yeah, some pretty good football yeah. stunts. I would say that everything's you know shot looks like the same. I think it was probably all all of the football scenes were shot in like two days. Oh, shot like in like stadium, two, yeah, <laughs> easily because it's all um, really similarly shot. But but yeah, it's it's competent enough for a for a sports comedy anyway. Yeah, again, like there are parts, and I know this is a lot of it is the director, but Sandler you know, he's capable of making a somewhat passable sports movie when he focuses on the sports. What about uh, Vicky Valancourt, played by Feruza Balk? Yeah, how about her? She always scared me as a kid. She is kind of scary, man. Like, and it's, Whenever I saw her in movies, it was The Craft and a few others, she always terrified me as a kid. I mean, she plays kind of a scary person in this, too. Like, like I don't remember this character being this way. She's like a jailbird like she's she comes out of nowhere and she's like oh yeah just got out of jail like oh this is this is the love interest hot i mean yeah, yeah i'm into it but and she like decks <laughs> decks out his his lawnmower without telling him yes yeah, soups up his lawnmower without him knowing he comes out and she's like fixing it and she also accepts an invitation to a barbecue on the bayou and yeah fresh out of jail what do you think makes her attracted to adam sandler like let's just let's just i know what the answer is because he's adam sandler but let's just think about this for two seconds this guy is a 31 year old water boy living with his mother in the bayou has never kissed a girl never had sex uh clearly has got something going on up in the head acts like a child (laughs) Uh, drives a lawnmower drives a lawnmower what makes this woman who's like supposedly like the biggest badass in the bayou (laughs) like has been in and out of jail what like makes her see adam sandler and she's like yup i don't know dude it's appropriately named the water boy because she is thirsty oh my god she's thirsty i'm thirsty and she's been i think since a little kid she was the girl that he was talking about earlier in that little flashback and apparently they've been childhood sweethearts but they never really had the chance to talk to each other that much or they never explored their relationship but this is the first time i think she's either meeting the mom despite the mom you know kathy bates already hating her and and, and like having the i mean she was straight out of jail and she's taking advantage of her mentally disadvantaged son so i guess you know yeah i actually I would also like, have some problemos kathy bates character is terrible but th- she has a lot of valid points like hey i'm not comfortable with this chick who just got a- out of jail like essentially just like taking control of my life son like or my son's life wow Little, little dyslexic there and she's also got a point to not like want him playing football she does not have a point when it comes to him getting a college education but like football's pretty dangerous i guess i suppose but the b- bottom line this woman shows up brawless i might add to your barbecue oh my god does she ever eating baby alligators yep it's hilarious and biggest red flag she works in astrology Oh my god, does she ever? Not that it's going to be relevant at any point down the road. Well, she does predict the last the final score. Do you think that that's again good screenwriting? Think about that. Yes, very good screenwriting. <laughs> uh hope hope she uh, can predict uh, the Super Bowl this week. Maybe we could get some <laughs> uh 
get some money going. You know what I'm saying, Brandon? Bobby starts picturing his mother the next game, like, and tackling people as if he's punishing her. Like, this is another deep-seated... Again, if you look at the... If this was a serious drama, like a Sling Blade, Billy Bob Thornton drama, you know, there'd be some searing shit in this. The abuse, the mental abuse of this mother and, and the son trying to find the strength to retaliate. It's essentially like uh, the story of a boy trying to escape his Oedipus complex. <laughs> mama says that's weird uh but he winds up winning the game for them and the losing streak for this team finally fucking ends and then the town straight up loves him everyone loves him the team's into him now even peter dante who was previously a dick to him isn't as much of a dick to him (laughs) he's still kind of a dick to him but (laughs) it just goes to show you if you want people to like you if you want your community to accept you don't be yourself be a good athlete and beat the shit out of people violence is always the answer Mm-hmm. 1998. He gets invited then to this fucking raging party, bro. He brings some frog cupcakes, and he, he also runs into the professor who's there at this college party. What is he doing there? This college party is fucking weird. Um, there's like, I don't know. It, it the the professor's there. The coach is there. Uh, Adam Sandler gets hit on a chick who, like, for some reason, I thought was going to come back into play later in this movie. Like, maybe she was a spy working for the other college. No. (laughs) It's just a scene where Adam Sandler gets aggressively hit on by this really cute girl. Oh, my God, dude. These two hot babs that they show up and through one of these funny, like, we've talked about this on the show several times about how conversations are misleading. He thinks that they're talking about something else. Then we get a classic winning sports montage, you know, sacking, sacking. It's pretty good, dude. Oh, yeah. Isn't there like a cool song playing to this, too? Or am I crazy? I remember House of the Rising Sun at one point starts playing. It's fucking sweet. That does play. But right after this little montage, then we get a little hooch, dude. You got the hooch, baby. Oh, yeah. You got the only mm. sweetest thing. You remember that one, dude? You couldn't escape that in the 90s. Yeah, absolutely. And that's set to Vicky and Bobby sneaking into his room late at night. And he shares her with her his most prized possession, this vial of water from a glacier in Alaska. <laughs> It was blessed by, like, a shaman. Yeah, probably won't come back into play later in the movie, but whatever. It's always cold. It's always cold. And Vicky is appropriately very thirsty. And she gives Bobby not only his first kiss, but is also his first sight of human breasts. Oh, so Other than of, his mother's. So she's thirsty, and instead of drinking the water, she just flashes him? <laughs> yeah, but we keep it PG-13. We're not going to see anything. To my 12-year-old chagrin. <laughs> yeah, that's that's when I turned off the movie. Mom, they're not even going to show tits. What the fuck? Why do we even rent this movie? Yeah, I fucking hate this movie. Bobby thinks that he hears his mother, so he gets spooked, and Vicky ends up leaving very parched. <laughs> and she also says, like, you're not even a man. Again, you're not a man. You gotta be fucking tough. You gotta smash puss to be a man. That's what this movie's telling me. The next game, this next scene here, is my favorite part of the movie. So as he's about to send Adam Sandler in, Henry Winkler just says, Hey, water sucks. 
Gatorade is better. And as he's getting on the field, he's just like in his mind talking about how water is so much better. And then all of the players' heads turn into Henry Winkler. And I, dude, I've always, felt, yeah, this is funny. Like it's just them singing "Water Sucks" and Gatorade's Gatorade. It's pretty funny. Him just going ballistic on the team. It is probably the most famous part of this entire movie. It does stick with you. I even to this day, like every once in a while, I'll see Gatorade and I just go Gatorade. <laughs> yeah, everyone does. Everyone. Everyone. Not a single person listening does it, and if they don't, they're not fucking real people. Yeah, stop listening to this fucking podcast right now. <laughs> anyway. They end up winning that game, which I love in this like little sports segments, I guess is inspiring other teams to look to the sidelines for talent. So there's this towel boy who's like, destroyed. yeah, Michigan <laughs> uses their towel boy. The whole town, yeah, throws a rally for in support of the team where the bullies, you know, the other team, you know, his first team, the Cougars, the coach red or whatever, this who's a real asshole throughout this movie. And I will say this actor really plays up the fact that he's such a chodis Jerry Reed, who has been in a few of these like 80s. 90s comedies as a dick he plays it well and um it's strange because it's never set up that there was any sort of fake transcript or anything like that they just kind of throw it out here in this scene yeah this is the first you hear about it in the entire movie so the, the other team shows up and they're basically like oh everyone calm down this guy the water boy he's not what it seems apparently he's faked his transcript he never went to high school he's a fucking liar and the town one of which is rob schneider who has shouted his famous line you can do it brought the whole house down theater erupted into applause everyone on their feet yeah it's a goddamn it's a slam dunk flash forward to 2019 we're still talking about it uh rob schneider very successful netflix uh series real rob yeah this line he even gets the one f word of the movie he says like you can do it chop his fucking head off or something like that oh at some yeah point. that's right i yeah. remember that was so out of left field and like I, because I like I know you're allowed one you're allowed one f word but I just didn't expect it I completely forgot about it it because it's fuck it's hard it's hardcore it's a hardcore word placement oh yeah I mean everything is silent they like kill all the extra audio in it they're like oh yeah like turn it down so we can hear the fuckingness when it's delivered by an actor of that caliber you want to hear every syllable all one of them. I can't believe he didn't get Best Supporting Actor for that line. I looked it up in the IMDb record books. Apparently no Best Supporting Actor, not even MTV Movie Award nomination, which blew my mind. What the fuck is the what the fuck is the Academy doing? I don't get it, dude. Black Panther's nominated for Best Picture? He didn't even get a Blockbuster Entertainment nominee? Whoa, well, hang on a second. Let me check the record books. <laughs> <laughs> no but so this dashes you know his hopes of playing in the bourbon bowl because apparently they were doing so well they were going to verse the cougars in this championship game and the town turns on him everyone hates him and dante's character tries to rile up the team and the town again by saying you know we don't need him even if he is a fucking cheater mud dogs mud dogs and the town's on his side this is the moment in the film where all hope is lost the all is lost moment Coach reveals the next day that he was the one who forged the documents. He tells him he just wanted him to play. 
he also shares his past, his history with uh, Red, the other coach, uh, what happened with them. Apparently, they were both vying for the assistant coach position. The head coach position. The head coach. I'm sorry. Yeah, they were both assistant coaches, and they were both yes. vying for that position. And Henry Winkler's character had all of these amazing plays written in his little green book in this little flashback. Well, they're all wearing parachute pants, and they have afros. I like. I will admit, like seeing Henry Winkler and... And the other coach, like, nothing has changed about him except that they're wearing afros. I will admit, visually funny. That coach stole the green book, and Henry Winkler's character was fired, and he's had this, you know, chip on his shoulder ever since. But this is probably one of the final laughs or big laughs of the movie for me, is at the end of this flashback, Henry Winkler is, like, trying to explain himself on the phone to his grandmother, and the camera pans down to reveal the the phone's unplugged or, like, ripped out the cord, and it keeps panning down, and he's wearing women's shoes for some reason, (laughs) stomping his feet. It's such a dumb like character moment i will say like dude there are little bits in adam sandler movies that i know uh, some of them the ratio dumb to funny like isn't there for everyone but like the scene in, and i go back to this every time there's like two parts in billy madison that are i cry laughing the steve buscemi putting lipstick on like i'm glad i called you moment when he comes in and shoots the guy or like the guy talking going through that speech saying like may god have mercy on your soul yeah, yeah. the, the famous the famous <laughs> yeah. speech like there are there are singular yeah. moments in a lot of his moments movies that i find like comedic genius like i thought that was hilarious it's it comes out of nowhere it's so stupid like but the phone's unplugged he's wearing women's shoes it's so dumb it it is and like again this was to me the only part of the movie that i found really like that funny but you're right just like every once in a while like his comedy actually shines through and it's not just him being like a man child on screen bobby discovers that if he takes the ged test that he might be able to play football again so he's studying hard and he winds up accidentally letting it slip to mama that he's going to school and playing foosball and she snaps on him and he finally steps up to her and steps up for himself and we get a little born in a small town montage here where he's, you know, working on his tests and stuff and winds up passing, getting a 97. And it's pretty sweet. Everything seems to be going well until Mama, again, this fucking character, pretends to be sick, uh, falls ill and goes to the hospital. Vicky winds up convincing the entire town to come to the hospital to, like, cheer him on to, you know, to convince him, like, we love you again because now we know the truth. Yeah, and uh, his mom, who's clearly faking it, overhears all this and what the town means to him. So the next day, she wakes up and shows him a photo album of her of his father and kind of tells him the truth that he didn't actually go off and die in the Peace Corps. He abandoned them, went off to Louisiana and fell in love with some uh, voodoo enchantress or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, in New Orleans, yeah. Yeah, in New Orleans. Um, New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, in New Orleans. And, uh, and this, you know, this is when she's like, I've been holding you back. I'm a bitch. Like, just go play football. Like, you deserve it. The town deserves it. You know, uh, I've learned the error of my ways, Brandon. She does. And I love the letters in this scene because they start off like your loving husband and they become less and less like romantic, more formal. By the end of it, it's like, to yeah, whom to it may whom concern. It may concern. <laughs> That's pretty funny, yeah. And yeah, he changes his name at the end, but I guess the the dad is actually Frank Karachi, the director. So didn't know that. Interesting to know. Didn't care. 
Well, it's the big championship game, the Bourbon Bowl, and it's the Mud Dogs v. Cougars. Halftime and the Mud Dogs are down, and they are. You're expecting the halftime speech from the coach, but Henry Winkler's just depressed, like slumped over in a locker, asking if anyone has any plans. And this part is so kind of dumb. Like, all the characters start sharing stories of Bobby that we've never seen, the audience. So it's like, remember when Bobby did this thing? This is the least <laughs> inspiring halftime ever. And then just like they're all just sharing stories, and then like he comes in, he's like, "Remember when Bobby showed up halfway through the game, and the Mud Dogs won the Barbie Ball?" And then they all just celebrate and walk out. Yeah, it's like Ugh. it should have just fro- freeze framed and credit should have. Yeah, yeah honestly, we like, already known what the rest of the movie like, yeah, was. Of yeah, of course, like fucking whatever. Honestly, it would have been great if Billy Bob Thornton comes in and he's like, "You guys need to pull together and play for Booby." Yeah, exactly. Are you expecting a sad Friday Night Lights ending, or do you think they might win? Uh, no, I'm expecting a sad Friday Night Lights uh, ending where, you know, they give it their best. Bobby ends up playing really well, but, you know, he gets hurt at the end. He It's it's on the team. They they ju- they fall just short of the winning touchdown, but Bobby picks up his teammates and lets them know, you know, hey, we grew together as a unit. We're better off humans uh, having played what we did and gone through our experiences. That's how I predict the movie to end. Yeah, and his alcoholic, abusive dad gives him his football ring to signify the fact that he's very proud of him despite not winning. He gave it his all. That's what's going to happen. You know, and, and to let him know that, you know, the town the town loves you and forgives you. That's what's going to happen. What a good movie. The whole stadium is cheering for the water boy, and Bobby is loving it. His mom's super proud of him. And, you know, Sandler starts crushing it, tackling and sacking and doing God's work. Coach Klein eventually winds up bailing when he realizes that the Cougars coach is taking Bobby out of the game by forcing the Mad Dogs to play their offense because he realizes they're going to keep getting creamed if Bobby's tackling everyone. Adam Sandler tells him to basically do what he's been doing and put all of his hurt into his visualization of some something or someone. And so he pictures like a baby head on top of the other coach. Yeah, and at uh, one point like a little puppy dog. Yeah, I just... Uh. Some crazy plays are made. Some touchdowns are scored. They're now down by 10 in the late fourth quarter. I talked a big game at the beginning of this podcast, but I will concede another kind of chuckle I had is when the kicker visualizes the football as a KKK member. That was kind of funny. (laughs) That was pretty funny. That was kind of funny. (laughs) So Uh, now they put Bobby on offense so that he can block. He's no longer needing to visualize or, you know, get himself angry. He's now just a badass player. (laughs) Yeah, now he's just a good football player. Uh, So they they put him in on offense to block and uh they pull the old philly special the play that kind of ended the uh or clinched the super bowl last year against the patriots oh shit all right well someone's pretty smart huh you feel cool yeah i just wanted to bring that up because you're from new england and uh you know, I just want to remind you that the Patriots lost the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, are you? Is your team in the Super Bowl this year? When no. Was the last time they were in the Super Bowl, uh, the nineties, um, and they lost it. <laughs> they lost it four years in a row, and uh, I just don't like to talk about it. So, um, moving you know, on. Yeah, exactly. Go away. Well, they get the touchdown, and all they need is a field goal. Uh, but Bobby gets, you know, kind of tackled pretty hard and is knocked out there for a second. But thankfully, Vicky has the water from the glacier in a 
Alaska. I'm just realizing that I jumped ahead like half a scene because I wanted this movie to be over. Yes. No, don't do that. She's got to wake him up. Yeah, with the fucking, the Alaskan always cold water who gives a flying fuck. Whoa. That's when they pulled. Yeah, no, I said it. That's when they pull the old Philly Thank special. Thank you. Game. Yeah, seven seconds left. They pull it. Last play, do you think they're going to win? They do. It's your classic slow motion final football play climax. Yes, because fucking Bobby Boucher throws the winning touchdown. Not good enough that he's been like the best linebacker in history and single-handedly turned around this game. He's got to throw the winning touchdown, Brandon. Fucking badass, and he does it like a champion. It's so good that Farmer Fran is pinching his nipples, shirtless. The game is won. Bobby is, you know, cheered and and loved and hoisted upon the shoulders of his players. And then it's kind of, there's a lot of fades in this movie. Sometime later, Bobby is now getting married. I don't know if this is the next day or months later, but he's getting married at the center of the town. Everyone's there cheering him on. And he's finally going to lose his virginity. There's a fun little Rob Schneider, once again, you can do do it it, joke. (laughs) Yep, they they haven't run that in the ground yet. Yeah, of course, it brings, brings down, down the, the house. house. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember reading articles that when this played in theaters, the projectionists actually rewound the film, something they never used to do. But they actually took it off the spokes, rewound it, the frames, and played the joke again because it was so funny. People couldn't hear the dialogue after <laughs> in the next part. Yeah. Um, again, that's well, just it's funny that you, it's funny that you brought up that some people would just see the trailer for Phantom Menace and then leave. I heard that they would actually come back. For the rally yes. scene to hear Rob Schneider say you can Similar do it. Similar to Mr. Skin's website where they give you the exact time code of when you can find people naked in movies. This also came right. with every ticket, the time code to Rob Schneider's final you can do it joke. <laughs> Mr. Schneider.com. <laughs> Dude, we should start a website that's all just him doing this line, but all of his greatest hits. Like every time he made us laugh in Deuce Bigelow and The Animal and The Hot Chick and every other film in his varied career. Every time Rob Schneider turns into something that's not human. Yes, or every or, time he gets hit in the balls. Or the same gender. Every time he gets hit in the balls. Every t- oh, my God. Every time every time he plays a, a different uh, racial... His offensive <laughs> racial stereotypes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Which means we just have to put on the entirety of the ridiculous sex. Oh, God. Yeah, Schneider soldiers suit up. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, at this wedding, uh, he's about to drive off his lot. His mom's basically like, "Enjoy becoming a man, Bobby." Gross. Um, you know, basically tell him his son yeah. fuck good. But his dad, in the final frames of the movie, shows up expecting to be welcomed back. He, he has heard that Bobby's a huge success now, and he wants some of that money. But uh, this time, it's Mama who tackles him. There's a great big guffaw, some laughs, and we end on a lawnmower credit scene as he drives away with his bride to where presumably i i guess to hopefully to new orleans where they abandon the mother (laughs) never come back well that was the water boy zach what are your thoughts do you need more thoughts than what i've already expressed this movie is it's terrible i didn't think it was funny you think it's terrible yeah, I do. I think it's terrible. I'm going to go ahead and say it's one of the worst movies we've ever done on this podcast. Get re- out of here. No yeah. way, man. I mean, yeah. it's not. All right. Well, tell me what's what's your final thoughts, man? What would you give it? Uh, man, I like honestly, I give it maybe a 20. Like it I will <sighs> right. I will say 
um, some impressive filmmaking in it in terms of, you know, the sports action. The sets aren't terrible. Um, the music's pretty good. But, man, there's nothing in here in terms of script. Adam Sandler is, like, almost as unfunny as I've ever seen him. The jokes really don't hold up that well in terms of, you know, just the Sandler doing Sandler things. Like, it's a lot of childish, you know, one-liners from a lot of the extras. I, I just, I don't need it. I don't think that it's a movie that holds up at all. I understand liking this movie back in the 90s because this was like edgy and funny back in the 90s. But now I think, you know, you can expect more out of a movie. So I don't think it holds up at all. It's not one of my favorite Sandler movies. It's, it never was, and it, it's not going to be. I do think in the realm of sports comedies, you could do worse. It's it's nowhere near you know, some of the best, like we mentioned earlier. Even that top five, I think it's probably the least funny to me um, out of them. I do think The Longest Yard is a better movie. Again, I haven't seen that in a good five or six years, so maybe I'd have to rewatch that one. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it. But I do, th- I do think it is better. We'll have to rewatch it. We might have to. Uh, but, but yeah, man, I think this is competently made. It's got some some jokes in there that I do think are pretty funny. Revisiting a lot of these late '90s to early 2000s comedies specifically, I find it difficult reviewing them based on you know it's your sense of humor. It's what you find funny, and so if you find a lot of Sandler movies funny, I think you'll laugh a lot in this because it's got a lot of his trademark humor. It's it's him doing his shtick and it's him doing it fine. He's got it's at least him before he hit that point in his career where he stopped, you know, putting energy into his performances. I think this is better, hands down, better than all of his Netflix uh, originals minus his stand-up comedy on there. But all of his Netflix movies, it's better than most of the movies he's done. I think. In the later half of the 2000s so far, I, I think that really this is one of the better, honestly, Adams. I, I would put this probably in like the top 15 Adams. The Sandler top movies, 15. And again, that's probably not saying no, much, but there's stop. a good 40. You can't, saying, you dude, can't the say half, the dude. top 15. <laughs> is it a top five Sandler movie? Yes or no? That's all you no, can say. No, absolutely yeah. not. No, you no can't of course fucking, not. Can't br- yeah, you can't range it to 15, Brandon. That just means it's 15th out of... <laughs> any number of movies that's ridiculous hey it could be like 11th dude who knows no why would you why why would you say that (laughs) i've never done an actual ranking of sandler flick so maybe i'll have to put the pen (laughs) (laughs) really iron that out (laughs) but i will say for his films um his films based on a character with uh, a terrible voice. I actually kind of think I like Little Nicky a little better just because it's more outlandish and batshit crazy and you can at least marvel at how fucking insanely stupid it is. This one's a little more basic. Loser becomes a hero sports comedy. But I don't necessarily think it's a 20. I, I would give it like a... I, honestly, I think it's probably satisfactorily uh, rated by critics. I'd give it like a 35, a 40. It's it's not a good movie and it's a rotten movie. But I, uh, But you could do worse in the Adam Sandler canon. Man, I just don't see, like, so many of the jokes that people love about Adam Sandler, and I'm not just talking about this movie, I'm talking about Sandler 90s as a whole. Like, you can you can make arguments for, like, The Wedding Singer and, like, some of the other movies, but, like, a lot of, or, like, when you look at Lil Nicky or Mr. Deeds or, like, this movie, I just feel like that's just, like, not the humor that we get in a lot of movies these days and i think that's for a good reason i just don't think we laugh at those kind of jokes anymore i don't even think kids these days who are our age when these movies came out 
laugh at jokes like this that much anymore. I just think like the audience has gotten a little smarter than that. So I just I have a hard time doing these Adam Sandler movies because I just don't think that the humor holds up when we talk about 2019 now. You know, I, I'm I'm inclined to agree with you, man. I, I'm curious if a kid nowadays finds Adam Sandler as funny as we found him back in the day. I think some of his movies still hold up. This isn't necessarily one of them. And so I wouldn't necessarily recommend this to a, someone who hasn't seen it before, but I maybe would recommend this to a person who hasn't seen it in a long time and remembered enjoying it. This isn't a movie that's going to change in time. Like, you're not going to be like, oh, I didn't like The, the Water Boy, but now I love it. Right. Uh, I think it's one that if you missed it when it was first popular, don't really bother checking it out now. I don't think it's one you need to see. If you are a steadfast defender of Adam Sandler, you will love this movie. It's got every Adam Sandler trope in it, like in the, uh, where a lot of them originated. Some of these Adam Sandler tropes, like a lot of them, it's just a lot of mean spirited humor. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it to me. This movie kind of marks the beginning of what I think is kind of his downfall. I just think like his like fourth like, movie. <laughs> Yeah, I can't think of a movie after this that he makes that um that I'll go to bat for. Come on, really, Big Daddy, dude? No, I don't like Big Daddy. Fifty First Dates. Fifty First Dates is hardly an Adam Sandler movie. That's a movie that Adams did he write that movie? Who cares, dude? I don't think he wrote it. But <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> That's a. That is a movie that Adam Sandler is in. I'm talking about like movies that are essentially just like all him. Like he might as well have been directing. Well, I mean, anger management's funny. I guess that's a two hander. I don't even remember liking anger management when it came out. Wow. Shit. You're not a fan of click or Zohan or shut, shut the fuck up. Not even going to entertain that. In fact, you know what? I'm ending this conversation right now. We've said our pieces. That's, that's it. That's the water boy. This won't be the last time we'll revisit an Adam Sandler picture. I can promise you that. And he was just too damn popular in our childhoods. And I feel like, uh, there's still a few more that we could cover. There's too many people who are nostalgic for Adam Sandler. We have to do more Adam Sandler movies. And I can't guarantee you that I will come in with a better attitude for any of them. We got to do some more Jim Carrey movies, too, yeah. maybe in the future. I we'll could, see. Yeah, we but uh, before we get into next week's film, why don't you tell everybody what you've been watching this week, Zach? Anything good? Anything bad? Yeah, after we watched this, I needed a palate cleanser, so I found something that was a critic, uh, critically claimed. Uh, I finally went got around to watching Roma on Netflix. Ooh. Um, obviously nominated for Best Picture this year, a Netflix film. Uh, and I, I think... Genuinely, I think this is a Netflix film, the first one nominated for Best Picture and potentially the first one to win Best Picture. It is stunning. It's it's very good. Um, it is more of an artsy film that, you know, not everybody is going to like this film. But if you're a fan of the way movies are shot and of this director, I can't. What is his name? It's it's too Spanish for me to pronounce. Alfonso Cuaron. Yes. Uh, Children of Men is one of my favorite movies that I know that he's done. Um, and he yeah, just, he directed my favorite Harry Potter movie. The third one, prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. Yeah. He directed the third Harry Potter movie, which is actually not a terrible movie at all. And um, gravity. Yep. And gravity, which I wasn't crazy about gravity, but it's, it's still a good movie. Um, this movie is just nothing short of beautiful. It's gonna, it's got a lot in it. That's going to drive people away. It's in black and white. 
Um, it, it's all subtitled. If you're the president, it's full of Mexican people. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's subtitled. So I will not be able to read it. Is that what you're telling yeah, me? Yeah, you, you can't, you can't watch it because unless you speak Spanish, which I'm sure you don't, you can't read. Um, so you won't be able to enjoy it. But for those who can read and who don't mind reading subtitles or a black and white film for a black and white film, it's astoundingly good looking. It's just like watching black and white. You can just like, you can still almost see the colors. It's beautiful. Just the way that everything is set up and shot. It's, it's a beautiful movie and it's really good, really good story. Um, had me in tears by the end of it. So I, oh, I definitely bitch. recommend it. Yeah. Well, fuck off. I do hear it's good. I do want to check it out though. In all seriousness. Yeah, you should. It's 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 very 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 good. Uh, I went to see two movies in theaters this week. One, I saw an advanced screening of the uh, Lego Movie Two, which was pretty good, man. Ooh, oh, Mister L A. Exactly right, Mister Hollywood over screens. here. I was gonna yeah. say, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's solid, dude. Yeah, it, I wouldn't say it's necessarily as funny as the first one, or as maybe heartwarming, but it's pretty solid, really original. If you like the first one, it's just as uh, you know inventive i suppose it's good like the lego batman i I never saw the ninjago one but uh i'm a fan of these lego movies so far they're not bad not bad at all uh a movie that was a on a whole other level of bad i was baffled by this film (laughs) it's uh the new matthew mcconaughey Anne hathaway movie serenity not the joss whedon space western movie uh this one is based on the trailers is a Film noir thriller set on an island involving Matthew McConaughey as a fisherman, something to do with Anne Hathaway as his ex-wife who wants her to murder her new husband who's abusive, played by Jason Clark. A very standard Hitchcockian type, um, you know, throwback. However, uh, about halfway through the movie, the twist is revealed about as to what the movie is about. And as I was watching this movie, I, I saw no reviews for this going in. Uh, no one was talking about it. No one had seen it. And I was wondering why the studio was dumping this movie with such an amazing cast. Jaiman Hansu's in there, Diane Lane. Yeah, I had barely heard about this movie up until like a few days ago. Yeah. An acclaimed filmmaker, Stephen Knight, who did that Tom Hardy Locke movie, which was really mm-hmm. good. Um, he's written a bunch of gr- like great screenplays. He's been nominated for an Oscar. I just couldn't understand why this movie was just getting dumped in January with no press. And then I saw the movie, dude. It is fucking insanity, but absolutely bonkers. I'm not going to spoil anything, but like, if you were to, if you were to watch like back in the day, just picture an alien coming to Earth or someone who had never seen movies but understood movies. They saw a trailer to like The Sixth Sense. They're like, all right, so Haley Joel Osment sees dead people. Bruce Willis is, you know, uh, a guy who's talking to him. If you were an extremely savvy moviegoer or someone who just liked to guess twists, there's a possibility that you could come up with Bruce Willis is dead. What? If, if, uh, if a computer, yeah, exactly. If a computer was like running an algorithm and, you know, the first thousand <laughs> endings, one of them could have been Bruce Willis being dead. In this movie, to be the to guess the twist, like there, there's no <laughs> there's no human that like when watching the trailer would glean anything about what the movie's finally about. It's just such out of left field that I was I was fucking confounded. Man, I'm gonna have to go see this because you and I were also talking about this a little bit beforehand. So 
I think I'm going to check this out because it just... Let it, me stress this again. It is not a good movie by any stretch of the word. But but I was entertained wholeheartedly. I kept looking. It's one of those movies that I watched with an audience, and I'm glad like it wasn't completely empty in the theater because I kept looking uh, like out of the corner of my eye to see what other people's facial reactions were. And everyone was just staring dumbfounded. Like, <laughs> like everyone walked out in silence. I was like laughing at a few times. Like, it's Matthew McConaughey at his most <laughs> leather, leathered, like drunk, naked, whorish. <laughs> I don't know, man. Amazing. You know, I'm into yeah, that. Check it out if you want to. Again, it's not good, but if you've got two hours to waste and, you know, a couple bucks in your pocket, <laughs> check it out, you know? Very cool, man. All right. So, uh, some interesting movies that we saw this week. Before we get into our, our goodbyes and our plugs, I just want to ask so, you are originally from New England. You just moved out to LA. The Super Bowl this week, Patriots versus the LA Rams who you got dude i'm ambushing you i want to know it's the pats the pats are gonna win however i i was thinking about maybe going to a bar with dressed in all pats gear to get my ass kicked to see if people are gonna try to beat me up i don't know how intense they are out here so we'll see no i gotta send you i gotta send you this video of rams fans winning their last game to clinch the super bowl and it's like this empty bar and like a few people are cheering they're like yay and one person goes like so does that mean the game's over (laughs) so i think i think you'll be just fine oh boy Uh, for any of our la listeners and i know we have a few prove me wrong um i'm gonna take I'm going to take upset pick. I'm going to take the Rams. Yeah, well, we'll see when we come back next week uh, when we're talking about uh, a film we've been chatting and trying to decide when we'd finally cover, and we figured, what the hell? It's on Netflix. It's easily available. Let's get it out of the way. It's 2000s. And it is fast. (laughs) Adventure flick, Road to El Dorado. It is fast. It's like, what, 90 minutes? Dude, I don't even know if it's that. It might be like 70. (laughs) It's like a... (laughs) It is a short, short movie. I'm going to look it up. Um, yeah, I, but I was obsessed with this movie when it came out. And for the life of me, I, I have no idea why. I can barely remember the movie. But I do know that it's a movie that I like watched religiously when I was younger. I remember having scandalous thoughts about the lead character this lead female character because she has like a dress or skirt thing that does some strange i mean this showing off a lot of leg a lot of leg and some tummy there is i think confirmed a uh real quick blowjob uh hidden joke in that movie Ooh, i think you're right i do remember this being on some sort of list of like scandalous animated sex scenes yeah yeah it is, and it's pretty brutal all right just to confirm it is an hour and 29 minutes so Ooh, a little hour bit 29 89 all right well i can get through that yeah. man i mean but that also includes that's five minutes of credits too Ooh, that's true very true and i think there's an elton john song in there right there sure fucking is yes all right sweet well that'll at least have some good intro music Mm-hmm. yep it i think it'll be a good episode much better movie i think than what we watched today yeah well does that movie have rob schneider in it Ooh, cannot confirm uh the presence of real rob so uh you're right thank you well uh I appreciate your time here, and I appreciate you watching The Waterboy for this show. Yeah, don't ask me to do it again. Uh, if <laughs> you enjoyed this episode of Nostalgia Be Damn, you can check out this episode and all of our episodes at nbd.podbean.com. We are also on iTunes. You can go ahead and check us out there, Apple Podcasts, anywhere, really, that you can get 
uh, podcast unless you can't find us. Yeah, you can also send us an email at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com to send us a request or a question or anything you'd like to chat with us about. And we're on Facebook and Twitter as well. Please reach out to us. We love to chat, and we love you. And uh, please consider writing us a review on iTunes. And uh, most importantly, just sharing with a friend because it truly helps get the word out about the podcast. Yeah, and like honestly, if we don't get enough listeners a week, uh, I fly out to L.A., I hit Brandon, then I come back to New York. So uh, just I'm running out of money. Brandon's tired of getting hit. So just tell your friends. Yeah, I've been starting to do this personal challenge where if we don't get a subscriber a week, I take a toe. And so mm-hmm. I'm up to three weeks now where we have not gotten a new subscriber. So really counting on fans. Brandon only has seven toes now. Soon he's going to have to start taking fingers. I've lost my balance many times. So it's quite embarrassing. And you're working on sets too. You need balance. I also need to read. <laughs> Well, yeah, I've been telling you that for, like, years, but whatever. Well, just remember, everyone, no matter what the circumstance, you can do it! <laughs>